Hey, bumper away. Hey, this is Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour podcast, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. Listen up. Woo! That was awesome. Thank you. Cool, man. Cool, man. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Matt Miller, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer. Hey, hey, Jeff. How are you, man? Glad to be here. I am doing awesome. Uh, so we should, uh, before we start, we have to we have to get over these obligatory, uh, we used to be in the military things. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So tell us some war stories. Uh, what, what's your, uh, what did you do? You, I know you were a pilot, but uh, what airframe were you working on? I was a T-38 instructor pilot for six years, okay. and then I was a C-5 driver. Um, for those of you that don't know, the C-5 at least was the time, uh, at the time was the second largest airplane in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, it's that big airplane, you know, whenever they're over in the Middle East reporting, uh, they've got the, the nose of the airplane lifted up with the reporter standing in the foreground with, you know, offloading of cargo or whatever yeah, you can occurring in the background. Those things. Yeah. Like yeah. all the way through. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was pretty, pretty large. Yeah. Wow. What's that like to fly? Is it like scary hard or just super easy? You know, believe it or not, the hardest thing is taxiing the airplane. Okay. It's not flying it. Um, you're sitting 60 you're feet up in the air kind of in the cockpit. Yeah. And most airfields around the world are not made for an airplane that big. So you're concerned with getting yourself into a spot that you can't get out of. You're concerned with making sure that there's enough uh, clearance on your wings off to the side of you. Yeah, you're right. concerned about uh, not running up your engines too, uh, too high uh, to get moving to where you blow a building over behind you, <laughs> you know, that, that type that of thing. That sorts of stuff. Well, yeah. Okay. Wow. Jeez. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I could tell some horror stories about me and flight lines, but oh, I won't get into it. So <laughs> I was an IT guy, um, when, uh, and, uh, enlisted. So we had completely different experiences. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I did work around, uh, the fighter community. Right. So, and uh, so I worked with some uh, F-15 guys at Tyndall. Uh, that was the, uh, the F-15 school. Right. So I worked with a, a couple of pilots, and they were really a lot of fun. You know, everybody, all the shoe salesmen in the Air Force give you guys such crap. But then, <laughs> you know, but then when you actually meet them, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they're pretty cool guys. <laughs> and they love their job, right? Right, yeah, right. Yeah, the, 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 the pilot community was pretty fun. And then I worked with uh, a guy who was uh, Special Forces, uh, an instructor pilot for, I'm going to screw this up. It's, I, it's the version of the 135 that they use for special ops. So I think it's like MC-135. Right, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, where they fly like really super low and then drop, right. drop people. <laughs> yeah, 
pretty crazy crap. Okay. So that's really neat. So you did nine years and then uh, you decided that you had had enough fun. Yeah, I got sick of people telling me what to do, Jeff. Understood. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Why even join the Air Force to begin with? You know, I I don't know, but um, yeah, I it gets I got old. Kind of fed up with all that. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, I, I lived it. So at some point, I just decided to suck it up. I guess you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. If I do twenty, then I can be in the club for the rest of my life. So there you go. That's what I did. Yeah. But no, I'm with you. You know. At some point, yeah, the uh, the following orders things gets, um, you know, and then it's also that whole thing about where you have to succeed in spite of leadership sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh, okay. So after you did your time uh, flying, what did you do after your, your Air Force time? I spent about a year and a half with a company called Abbott Laboratories selling hospital uh, blood analysis and diagnostic equipment and then ended up transitioning into the advertising world and spent nearly 11 years working for a company uh, first called Advo and then later Velasis selling direct mail. I, I, I was essentially the guy that filled up your mailbox weekly with junk mail. Oh wow! Was, Thanks was essentially my job, and uh, and did that very well for almost a, well for over a decade. Yeah, but you learned a lot about obviously like sales and Correct. advertising. Oh, Correct. Hey, key features of running a business. <laughs> yeah. So I know there's a, a cute story about how you came up with the. I know you'd you'd always wanted to be have your own business, but. Talk a little bit about where the idea for your current business. What is it's a spirit? Hold on, let me make sure I say it right. It is uh, school spirit vending, Correct. and you can find out more about school school spirit vending at ssvbusiness.com. Uh, yeah, so tell us a little bit about the idea. Where did this idea come from? Well, I had gotten myself into a pretty lousy spot financially about uh, early in my, my advertising career and knew I needed to start doing some stuff on the side. So I did a bunch of things. I sold used books online through Amazon and Alibris and A-Books for a while. My garage looked like a library there for a while. Right. Um, you know, we collected there. aluminum cans. We did a little bit of everything. But I had a buddy of mine at one point in time at church mention the fact that he had gotten some gu a couple of gumball machines and his young daughters and he had found locations for them and it was something they could do together and they were making some money and they were learning about business. And so I decided to get started in vending and, and it started with a gumball machine early on. In fact, my first machine was $35, I think on eBay used and okay, well, that's, built, that's a good investment. <laughs> yeah. And built things from there. Uh, but several years into that, what 07 and 08 hit and even though I had about 150 locations around Houston at that time, uh, put together outside of work, you know, nights and weekends and that type of thing, I was frustrated because revenue plummeted and had four young kids come knocking on my door in the span of a couple of weeks selling me stuff, uh, fundraising for their local school. And I was like, you know, maybe there's a way I can tie what I've learned in vending into what these kids are doing. Uh, um, you know, fundraising for the schools, get some kids off the street, et cetera. Right. 
And since I had been in print media all that time, I came up with the idea of developing custom spirit stickers for the schools. And then we would place a sticker machine in the schools and sell those stickers and whatever else the kids were into in those machines. Um, it would be a passive fundraiser for the school and, and a passive fundraiser initially for me, but, but today uh, for our entire franchise team as well across the country. And um, we did a test here, uh, October of 07, we tested our first school and the numbers were off the charts. And very quickly thereafter, I had others that I knew wanting to be part of what we did. And, and here we are today with about 55 uh, families um, on our franchise team spread about uh, over about 24 or 25 states. Wow. And uh, are in a couple thousand schools. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a bit of a no-brainer almost because it's it's that the whole idea of do kids want stuff with their school mascot on it. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and is there a way that yeah, it's almost like it, the the passivity of it is 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 fun too. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Interesting. Now, how did you? I mean, how did you grow slow? I mean, I did. Did did you grow slow or did you grow fast? Well, to begin with, it was just me and a couple of buddies who, you know, thought it was kind of a cool idea. But um, we were limited primarily, you know, by finances. I mean, uh, you know, we had to cobble things together. I had to build this thing primarily on cash flow. And so that slowed down our growth, especially early on a bit. But after a while, you know, some of the guys on the team had friends that wanted to be a part in other parts of the country or relatives or whatever. You know, I came across folks as we went. And, uh, you know, before we knew it, we had, you know, a lot more than just a couple of us, you know, hoping to get, you know, reach the goal of 100 schools someday. And it's been pretty crazy, the trajectory that we've been on, especially in the last year, um, as we've got people lining up literally all over the country to be part of what we're doing because it's a supplement to what they do. It it's, takes a limited time commitment to do it. Uh, they have the ability to help out um, you know, schools in the process and also start to benefit from passive income, which most people don't ever have an opportunity to benefit from. And we teach them how to put things together every step of the way. So they don't have to figure out what it's taken us eight years to figure out. Um, you know, we give them the inside scoop and give them a shortcut from point A to point, you know, B because of our wisdom and knowledge and experience that we've developed over the years. Yeah. And it sounds like the kids are involved too. So are the kids involved? Sure, sure, definitely. Um, our our kids and and the kids of our franchisees are highly encouraged to be a part of what we do. In fact, our our first mantra of our business is that family is our foundation, and we want families to do business together and work together and learn together and spend time together. You know, in the military and in my corporate career, the family wasn't really welcome for obvious reasons. Well, when I got out and was able to start my own thing, I wanted to change that. And so um, we intentionally have events where the families are involved. You know, we encourage, you know, from the youngest of ages for parents to 
to start to teach that, you know, entrepreneurship side of things to their kids early on. It's just through osmosis, but over time and as they get older, um, they can do more and more things and help out. And, you know, today we've got the second generation in, in multiple families that enjoyed what they did with mom and dad when they were growing up and decided to to start their own business once they you know came of age and 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 do their own thing utilizing our business as the vehicle so it's 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 really really cool when i was an instructor pilot in the air force you know i got the gratification from watching a student who many of them knew very little about an airplane like like me when i t- went to pilot training and in 6 months time you know, them have their wings as a pilot in the Air Force and after a month and a half be be flying solo in the airplane that a month and a half before they knew nothing about. And of course, when I left the Air Force, I lost that kind of that kick, that rush. Well, I get that same rush today watching families, most of which have no business background, many of which have definitely had nothing to do with vending and to be able to teach them how to do what we do and then watch them thrive and then watch their kids thrive in that environment as well. Yeah. And it sounds like, um, I think you make a a point of emphasis that you want the business to support you and the family and not the other way around. I dig that a lot. I love that idea because you know, what's the point of working for yourself if you're still working 80 hours a week? Right. Well, I, I'm a firm believer, Jeff, that most of us spend the best hours of the best days of the best years of our lives just slaving away to make a dollar bill. Right. And and I don't believe that we are put on this planet to do only that. Amen. And so this gives people an opportunity if they're willing to ber- work hard for a couple of years. And of course, the growth period is different for everybody because everybody's got their own challenges and and things that they've got to work through, but you know they can get to a place like me and, and about third of our te- our team so far today, to where they've got options, and um, because you know there are quarters being put in in those people's machines every day, and they're not there. <laughs> right, um, right. They've got they've got the ability to to pursue other passions and, and dreams that most of us never have the time to be able to pursue because we've got to put a roof over the head and keep food on the table. Sure. So let's back up a little bit. So um, let's talk a little bit about the roadmap and some of the struggles that you went through on your way. So what sorts of things did you face other than money? Because we already talked a little bit about that, but it sounds like you went through quite a bit of growth um, trying to transition from employee uh, to, and it was good. I think, it, I think being in sales and advertising, it, it's priming you for uh, business ownership because that's what business is. Basically it's selling and then right. telling people what you're selling and it's advertising. Right. So talk a little bit about some of the struggles that you went through starting your business. You know, I, I I've got to go back to the money thing, to be honest, because sure, by fine. far that was the biggest struggle we had. Um, when I was working in the advertising space, my first full year, um, I ended up being number two in the country out of 750 reps. Wow. Now, part of that was, you know, military background. Part of that was being at the right place at the right time. Sure. So there's a lot of factors, but my boss didn't like the accolades that I got so quickly. 
And so the next year, she increased my quota by 96%. Now, uh, to give you an idea, the typical typical quota increase in the office was 5 to 10%. So she put much of the growth quota for the entire office on my back. Well, that set me up for failure in a big way. In fact, that cost my family about $80,000 that next year in commissions and bonuses. And I went from being a hero to a zero. Uh, We went from just starting to work ourselves out of the financial hole we got in by leaving the military and went into a deeper hole. I I got to a point, Jeff, where literally I was turned down by a payday loan place for a couple hundred bucks. Now, for those of you that have never had to go to a payday loan place, you don't even need a credit rating <laughs> right. or a credit score to get approved. Right. So how did I get not approved, you might ask? Well, you've got to bring in a bank statement and show them that you didn't have any dings against your your bank account the month before. And I had three overdrafts. Wow. So I was automatically disqualified. Here I was, formerly America's finest, right? Air Force Academy grad, pilot for nine years, can't even qualify for a payday loan. Yikes. But despite all that, I knew what I had accomplished in the past. I knew that was not a reflection of me individually. It was a reflection of the circumstances that we were in. Granted, some of the decisions we made along the way had an impact on that, but it it wasn't a personal it wasn't a personal thing. It was just, you know, some of the junk that I believe God put in my path to prepare me for where I am today. And so we got busy. We did anything that we possibly could to make ends meet. And there was a number of years there where I was burning the candle at both ends. I was out out. of balance. That would be a vroom in my show. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. I was was way out of balance. You know, we we hear all the time about, you know, balance and this and that. And, And don't get me wrong. That's what we should all strive for. But the reality is you are going to get out of balance in some way, shape, or form, if you're going to rise to a true level of success in anything that you do. Um, and right. oh, uh, yeah, so I sure. knew that that was a short-term thing. I knew it was going to be temporary, but I just had to do whatever I had to do. And um, and eventually, because we were patient and we were persistent and we kept our, kept our eyes on the future and and not getting caught up in you know, the now I was able to work, work through that. And, you know, when I walked away from my corporate job here almost five years ago, uh, you know, we, I quit my job. We bought our very first house. We moved five hours away out into the middle of nowhere into the country, um, because we wanted to have our own space and peace and quiet and not have to deal with the traffic of the big city. Good call. Um, and, and we've never looked back. And, uh, you know, life is very, very, very different for us today because we were willing to do some things that were rough and, and to get out of balance for a while. So, yeah. And I would imagine during those lean years, you had to cut back expenses, not because you wanted to, just because out of necessity. But it also, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. And I went through some of those lean times when I was really young in the military, but they kind of... 
they kind of serve as armor down the road, though, don't they? You know, when you when you have that event, like what your story about, um, well, I can't even get approved for a payday loan. How can I get much lower than this, right? Uh, money right. wise, right? That that it everything else seems smaller later on, right? You're like, right. well, at least I'm not there. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I believe, too, you know, I lead a huge team today, and I believe that God was putting me through that so that I could have empathy right, with people that I'm helping that are going through similar, similar situations. Mm-hmm. And I could also provide them a greater level of hope because I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and lived to tell about it. Amen. And, and it's not the and, end of the world. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a character builder. I remember, yep. I'll tell a brief story, and you might, eh, maybe not. You were, you were in officer role. But when I was in, in my enlisted land, I was uh, E4, and I was in Hawaii, which is a very expensive place to live for anybody. But Air Force E4s in 1990, whatever it was, uh, weren't making a whole lot of money. So we were, I was living off base and uh, sharing an apartment with uh, one other guy at the time. It was two other dudes, but at this time it was only two roommates. So we were uh, splitting the rent, and he got orders to go from Hawaii to Korea, and he was going to have to extend his enlistment in order to take that assignment uh, or get out in seven days. Well, he chose B. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Right. So that meant that uh, my buddy wasn't going to be able to come up with his rent uh, for a while, you know. So right, uh, yeah. So my my finances got stretched to the point where, um, well, what what it, what we did was we ended up getting an Air Force Aid Society loan for a thousand dollars to pay a month's rent or half of a month's rent, and then. Um, and then we we hurry up. We rushed our marriage because I, I was engaged to my wife at the time, and we had already set up set in motion the whole wedding thing, right? With you know church and friends and cakes and stuff like that. And then we just decided, uh, let's go see the justice of the peace, <laughs> so we could qualify for base housing immediately. So anyway, there's my story. But yeah, during wow. yeah during that time, uh, I, I I remember. Um, wondering, should I buy this food or put gas in the car sort of situation? You know, uh, I think I split the difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a little less Jeff, gas, you know? Yeah. Well, here's what I know. Um, you know, when I was at Air, the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, I got to look out the window every day beautiful, and oh see goodness. the mountains right there because right. the Academy is right at the base of the Rockies. Gorgeous spot. Well, Here's the thing. If you look at the top of the mountain, there's nothing growing there. It's just rock. It's barren. But in the valley is where all the green is. It's where all the growth is. And I, I believe that's the same in our life, right? Oh, wow. That's a good metaphor. Um, when, yeah. when, when you're on top of the world, you're not growing. You, you're not listening to anybody. You think you know it all. But right. when you're down in the valley, when you're in those struggle times and those those bad times, that's when we're all most uh, attuned to learning yes, and, and realizing that maybe we don't know it all. And so I believe God puts us through those 
different situations because we've got something that we need to learn that in the current position that we're at, we haven't been able to get it through our thick skull yet. <laughs> right, 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 right. Whenever um, you think you're, you're, uh, you've got all the answers, then, you know, watch out. You better get ready to duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really, yeah. It's so true. Yeah, you're right. I never thought of that that metaphor though. Up in the when, when you when you look up to the top of the mountain, there's just you know rocks and snowy peaks, right? Yeah, you're right. And down yep. in the valley, it's yep. all lush and growing. That's, that's a good one. I'm keeping that one. <laughs> you you can have it, man. <laughs> so talk a little bit more about how did you? Um, I, I'm interested in hearing the story of now. I know you kind of like we're cobbling this all together and you're thinking, wow, this is really turning into something when you started with the, with the, uh, the vending machines in the schools, but talk a little bit about, I mean, was it your idea to do the franchise thing or was it more, you're just saying yes to people that want to play in your pool? Well, what happened was I hired a coach here about, um, 18 months ago. God by the name of Aaron Walker. Uh, if you know Dave Ramsey or familiar with him. Aaron Walker's Aaron, been on my show. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> he's awesome. Well, anyway, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. I, I was at a Dave Ramsey Entree Leadership event here uh, two, uh, 25 months ago. So uh, two years ago last month. And Aaron was there in the audience at the time. He was a guest of Dave's. He's known Dave forever. And, and they're great friends Anyway, he was there because uh, at the time he wasn't quite sure what he was going to do next. He had sold off his last business and was ready to get started on some other things. So I ran into him on my first break. And during that week, we ended up spending a lot of time together. And when that week was over, I was like, I've got to figure out a way to get around that guy on a regular basis. was back out in Nashville a couple months later, had lunch with, with Aaron. And he told me how he had started his company view from the top. And so I hired him as a coach initially. I'm now part of his mastermind and some of the other stuff he does as well. But so he and I were having a conversation literally about a year ago, December, and we were talking through some things and, and talking about growth. He had told me a couple of days or the week previous that he had done some research and that he was excited about the growth that we had seen, but there were still 60,000 schools out there that we weren't in, in America. And he thought we might want to get our act together and, and, uh, do something and grow even that. faster. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, right. I had done some research and I came back to him and I said, listen, Aaron, I've done some research. I think I've figured out how we can start promoting this. The challenge is that you know the marketing costs are pro are prohibitive in the way that that we're making money today, and so I said, "What would you think about me potentially charging, you know, for people to be involved instead of just purely having a licensing deal, which is what we had done previously with our team, okay, with a distributor model?" and And he said, "I don't even have to think about it." He said, "I don't think that you're as big as you could be, or your company is as strong." Because, you know, you haven't been charging people on the front end. And um, anyway, that caused me to get contact my attorney. We got to talking. And what I found out was I really needed to be a franchise anyway to expand in a lot of the, the, 
states that we were not currently doing business in because many of them have laws that are much more restrictive on business like businesses like ours. Okay. And in order to to abide by their laws and to be able to do business correctly and legally within those states, we needed to become a franchise. So last February, we started that process. That would have been February of, of 2015. By July, we had everything done and uh, officially started franchising in July. That's amazing. So, wow. That's, that's, am- I just love the fact that, uh, you and Aaron know each other, and uh, he was a really fun guest on my show. So, yay! <laughs> <laughs> that guy can tell a story, man. He's yeah, had, he can. He's had a hell of a life, that guy. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, so it was was it his idea then to do the franchising thing? Because it's a pretty amazing idea. Or you had the idea and you just bounced it off of him. I, I came to him with the idea, uh-huh. and, and and he, he said, said yeah. He said, yeah, I think you should. And then from there, um, I contacted my attorney to find out if we could do it within the the realm or the guidelines that we had kind of done things previously. And he said, you know, you, you know, based on where you guys are wanting to go, you, you really need to become a franchise. How's that work when you go to say that, is it a separate business in each state? Is that, is that why? A franchise is different than a a, a, a a non-franchise business, I guess. No, there are, there are just a lot of um, opens up more doors legally. Yeah, like. yeah, because because the reason why there's a lot of restrictions today is unfortunately in the past there's been a lot of people that have not been very ethical in building a franchise and putting them together, and and in selling them. So the government has stepped in and. You know, has put a lot of restrictions and guidelines on that process. Okay. So there's a very, you know, there's very extensive documentation that is required mm. um, that, you know, is where the majority of the cost of setting it up comes from legally. Right. Um, I mean, the documentation is over 100 pages when it's all said and done. Wow. But it covers every last bit of anything that you could ever want to know about what a company like ours does, Mm. the good, the bad, you know, and everything, everything else in between. And so, um, you know, there's a lot involved with that. You know, a franchise is an example because of the past has a lot of protections for the franchisee in place to make sure that people aren't being taken care of and that type of thing. Sure. So there's, you know, there's a real reason for it. And there's just a lot of states, you know, Illinois, California, New York, Virginia, uh, you know, and many others that just have even more stringent guidelines mm. for companies like mine doing business within those states. Right, so right. you don't have to have a different company in every one, but in many of them, you have to get registered as a franchise. Mm-hmm. And, it's, a, and it's essentially the same thing. You need a, some sort of pass-through entity or something. Well, no, no. no? You, just, oh, you okay. just need to have your documentation reviewed. And if yeah. there's anything they don't like, you need to have that documentation changed Wow. before they approve you in the state. Understood. Um, so, so there's more fees. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every year you got to renew and, right, and there's right. all that. There's the legal yeah. that you got to do. And then there's an addendum to the franchise 
disclosure document for each of those states to where if there's any specific stipulations for people within those states, that's that's where they're laid out as far as the franchisor and the franchisee relationship. Sure. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I just went through something similar because uh, I hired a coach uh, about this time last year. So like around December, January timeframe. And, uh, and one of their big things was you gotta, you gotta get some sort of trademark going on. So I started looking into that and, uh, it turns out that, you know, each, you know, this, you just went through some of that, right? <laughs> but each little thing you want to trademark, uh, you have to, it's a separate filing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I decided to go with the logo. Right. So I trademarked my logo and it was only, and I started that like in the beginning of 2015 and it was just done. Like I just got the piece of paper in the mail, like a couple days ago, maybe last week or something. I was like, wow, <laughs> he did it. <laughs> I couldn't believe just, just a trademark, you know, just a little old trademark. Oh my goodness. And every time, every time you turn a new corner, they're, they've got their hand out again. They want another $200 or $400 for this. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm sure you got tired of those meetings too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's worth it, right? Yeah. That's why you do it. So, okay. So when you want to sign people up, what's that, what's that process look like? I mean, do people just like uh, find you on the internet or hear about you um, on your webpage? You know, we, we're just really kind of getting started with the right. whole marketing side of things. Okay. But thankfully, there's one of the benefits of, of a podcast like this is the fact that, you know, people who I would never, you know, in a million years run into or have a chance to have a conversation with has an opportunity to hear you and I talk and they get a chance to hear a little bit about my story. They get a chance to hear a little bit about what we do and 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 what makes us special. And if things make sense, then people will reach out to to talk more. And so our primary promotional vehicle for the last uh, six eight months has been podcast interviews. Oh, that's great! And <laughs> it's it's incredible the response that we're getting. Um, our our message of a family business on a limited time commitment and the opportunity to develop passive income are resonating with people literally all over the country, and so it's an exciting time. It really is. We've got uh, we've got a, a full pipeline of folks. The process is typically six to eight weeks from the minute somebody reaches out initially to to when. We execute a franchise agreement and get them started. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of learning that is done. You know, every single question they can possibly think of gets answered. And then, of course, we we spend a lot of time uh, talking with them to make sure that they're a good fit for our community and, and the team that we've already developed over the years. Um, because we're all going to get to know each other pretty well and, and our families are going to spend time together. Uh, as we put this thing together. So I've learned over the years that, um, you know, the right people make all the difference in the world. So we spend a lot of time getting to know people, finding out what makes them tick. And then, of course, them doing the same with us. Yeah. And qualifying. Yeah. Because they're basically 
part of your team. So, Correct. Yeah, you're not just yeah not picking anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense. So I heard that uh, you told me that you wanted to set up a free gift. So that URL for my listeners is ssvbusiness.com slash room, which I really love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so- and what do they get for that? So I, I wrote a short ebook. It's called Live Your Dreams, The Top 10 Reasons Why You Need to Own a Vending Business. And it just talks about some basics about vending that most people have never even thought of before. And so uh, if they go to, like you said, ssvbusiness.com forward slash vroom, they can download that. And um, we can at least start a dialogue if they like. Uh, obviously no obligation. And if they want to talk about the franchise, I'd love to, or if they just want to talk about vending in general and, and learn some insights on that, I'd be happy to share. Um, and, uh, you know, go from there. So what, what are the most popular items in the vending machine outside of the stickers? So, cause when I was a kid, I remember they used to sell uh, t-shirts at the school store. Are, are clothing items in your vending machines? No, we just do stickers. Oh, just stickers. Okay. So like stickers that they can put on their books and their folders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I love that. So it's like the school logo or the school mascot. Yes. And then, and then whatever else the kids are into, you know, Star Wars is going to be big the next couple of months. So we've oh, got yeah. that available. Right, you know, right. NFL, NFL is a part of our machines. Uh, a wow. little bit of everything. A, a lot of what we produce, though, is proprietary that we develop specifically for the kids. Um, and uh, so anyway, it's we have fun doing it. There's never a dull moment. And it's and it's exciting to, to be creative in that way and um, and to learn from the kids every day as far as what they like and what they don't like and that type of thing. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, this has been uh, this has been a blast, Matt. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, and thank you so much for being on my show. So one more time, uh, ssvbusiness.com. You can find all about uh, what Matt has got going on. Thank you so much for being on my show, Matt. Yeah, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, man, and God bless. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.